0: your life with somebody this idea of waiting till marriage and not having sex is only bad for society if I could have changed one thing it would have been to wait before marriage to have sex I feel like that would have made my wife and I's relationship a whole lot more secure me and my boyfriend have been living together for three years now and we're pretty much a married couple that's what we consider ourselves I think the reason why people have such doubts on it now is because they always have that question in their head, is there something else out there that's better? <laughs> There we go. All right. Well, it's good to see all of you. I hope you're excited. Uh, I know there's a, a lot of new faces here today. I want to welcome you to our series that we're doing on the new rules. You know, I don't know why, but this gets people's attention, doesn't it? The, the new rules for love, sex and dating. Man, I want to go to a church where they talk about that. Right. That's what people think. But I'm glad you're here. And, and it's, a, it's a privilege for us to have you with us. And I hope that today will help you. In your relationships. And uh, one of the things that we've talked about, uh, and, and today we're going to be focused, it's part two, so you didn't miss a lot. If you want to hear part one, you can go to our website and watch it. Uh, today we're going to be focusing on part two. And you know what the title of our lesson today is? The Gentlemen's Club. Okay, the Gentleman's Club. You know, I, I thought about maybe coming out in a full tux today. I said, no, 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 that wouldn't, that wouldn't have done it, right? Tate's saying, no, bad move. Good, good choice today with what you did. But, you know, last week, just kind of go back over uh, what we talked about two weeks ago. We talked about it's actually two weeks ago, not last week, two weeks ago, we talked about the right person myth. And this is how the world that we live in operates. The objective in building relationships is what? Find the right person and your problems are over all i got to do is find the right person. In fact, a lot of dating websites, what they try to do is they, they have these, these compatibility tests, these personality tests, and they, they, they do a, a long test of who you are and what you like, and, and then they find someone who's just like you. And so what we talked about two weeks ago was that if you're looking for the right person, guess what the other person's doing? They're also looking for the right person. And one of the things that we talked about is... Uh, you know, what people do when they're looking for the right person, what are they looking for? Chemistry. And uh, the chemistry is what you like about a person. And, and when you focus on chemistry, it, it's kind of like that, that idea that, oh, I'm so in love with Him. And He's everything for me. And we can talk for hours. And, and you know, I just feel like we connect so well. I love Him. Right? Right? That's the kind of phrases, we have our theme song, you know, we have our theme movie, and we're just so in love. And, And one of the things that people say is, I don't think anybody on the planet has ever loved like this before. Right? That's what people say. So it becomes a chemistry experiment. And there's so much chemistry in the relationship. And, and you know, people from the outside are looking at all that chemistry and they're like, wow, that's explosive. And mom's saying, run, baby, run. And and no, mom, you just don't understand. He's he's the perfect man for me. He loves me. He's He can't keep his hands off of me. And and then dad's saying, I can't even believe this. Why do you, what do you see in him? No, dad, you don't understand. And this goes on and on and on. And, and, and this idea that when I meet the right person, everything will be all right. And then these two people with all this chemistry, they've already, you know, they've already experiments the, the sex. They've already experimented everything else. And, and they're in this relationship and then they decide to get married. Wow. Because it's the perfect person, right? And they discover something right in time for Halloween. The Franken-marriage. Have you ever heard of the Franken-marriage? It was the it was the laboratory experiment that went bad. You know, so much chemistry and they were mixed together and it just exploded. And then one day, you know, this person woke up out of bed in your marriage. And it was just awful. One eye and things coming out and it was awful. This monster. And then, then she became the Franken-wife. You know, and, and, you know, it was just so bad, this marriage. You can, oh, I can't believe it. And all this chemistry starts to fade away. There's no relationship. And the relationship implodes. Because what they put the emphasis on was the chemistry and not the relationship. And this is being exposed, and this is why we're doing this series. If you're here visiting today, the whole purpose of this series is to help you, if you're visiting with us, to help you have a successful relationship. There's a lot of bad press out there. And there's a reason. Who wants to watch and who would be entertained by a good marriage? They don't fight. They get along. It's boring, right? Man, you want some action in there. You want guns and fast cars and explosions and and violence. You want all that. So that's what gets a lot of press. The bad relationships. Nobody wants to watch a good relationship. It's not entertaining. It's one thing to entertain yourself with that stuff. It's a whole other thing to wrap your life and build your relationships based on that. And so our desire as a church is we don't want you to have a Franken marriage. We want you to have the best relationship. And you say, well, why, why are we having a series for single people that the majority of our members are married people? Well, the reason is, is because I believe we'll even get some help as married people. Because there'll be some reminders and they go, oh, that's maybe the reason why our marriage is the way it is. And we can correct this. But the main emphasis is that so that our young people can have awesome, awesome relationships. This is a scripture we looked at two weeks ago. Hosea chapter 4, verse 6. This is how God feels about our society today. My people are destroyed from a lack of knowledge, of understanding. What makes a relationship work? What makes a relationship go? Don't you like when people give the answer before (laughs) I say it? That's cool, huh? But this is what God feels about us As we struggle along, as we stumble and we fall and we feel so much pain in relationships, this is a serious deal. And God's saying, I got the answers for you. And I don't know what your background is, if you're from a religious background or if you've had bad experiences with church. The point is, is God's got some answers. If you'll just give him a chance, he can steer you in the right direction to build a great relationship And one of the things we talked about two weeks ago is what happens, why these Franken marriages happen is because their past snuck into their present and started destroying their future. You see, whatever you're doing today will become your future. It reappears. It rears its head. And because you think if I marry the right person, I won't need to be the perfect person because I married the right person. Right? But you don't understand both of you are going to convert into franken marriage, You know, and it's a sad story that repeats itself over and over. And some of you married people have already experienced that. You know, and you're trying to recover from that. God wants to give us a great future but we've got to come to grips with these things. Relationships are in trouble. We talked about this 2 weeks ago that laws are trying to be passed that you know instead of getting a marriage license that's permanent, Mexico they're trying to pass a law that that you get a marriage license that's temporary for 2 years so you can get out of it real easy. This is serious. And it probably won't be long before we have something similar here because our society is built on making things convenient but they're not focused on fixing the problem and that's how and on what we build our relationships and many of us have a bad bad impression of marriage because we haven't seen anything good and we say i don't want to go married. i don't want to get married there's problems in married people there's problems in single people but i prefer the problems in single people and that's sad because god never intended it to be that way and too many couples spend a year this is intense they spend a year preparing for the wedding, and then they spend years, five to seven years, destroying the marriage because they didn't know what they were getting into. And that's a sad thing to spend that much time preparing for a wedding, but you don't spend any time preparing for the marriage. And then you end up destroying it. It's a sad thing. And we talked about this two weeks ago again. This is a brief review. Are you who? Are you who? Are you who the person you are looking for is looking for? And instead of focusing on the other person, you want to focus on who? You who? <laughs> on you. And becoming the right person so that you will attract the right person. Imagine two people that are focusing on. Working on their lives so they can be the best person for that relationship. Imagine two people like that coming together. Wouldn't that be an awesome relationship? And are you working on that? Two weeks ago we talked about that. Do you have your list? For those of you that were here, are you working on your stuff? Are you working on yourself so you can bring to the relationship the best possible person to that relationship? And let me tell you, if you're doing that in your relationship, you're going to attract an amazing person. And when two people do that, as I said, it it, it is very, very powerful. And we talked about this two weeks ago, and this is where we're going to start our lesson. Before we read this passage, let's go to God in prayer and begin. God, we thank you for the privilege that we have to read your word today. Please be with us. And I do pray that today your word can really minister to us and help us so we can be the best we can be for you. And that we can be a light for our community. That relationships can work when they're built. On the right foundation. Uh, Thank you, God, for Jesus. Thank you that He came here to give us direction and shed light on our lives. Please help us to listen and have an open heart today. Be with our friends that they can really find hope and inspiration in what you are going to speak to them about. Fill me with your spirit. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. First Corinthians chapter thirteen. We talked about this two weeks ago. And Paul said this when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, but when I became a man, or in other words, an adult, I put my, I put the child, the ways of childhood behind me. I stopped being a child, I grew up. And what we talked about last uh, two weeks ago was that we want to grow up. We want to be adults in relationships. We want to understand and stop being kids. Have you ever caught yourself, and let me just call the marriages out. Have you ever caught yourself in a silly argument? A couple times, right? And you look at yourself and you're hearing this argument and you're going, man, this is stupid. Sound like two little kids. I wonder why. Because you're still living like a child in an adult body. You see, and if we're going to have great relationships, we've got to grow up and start thinking like adults. And God wants to take us there so we can have great adult relationships. So we've got to ask ourselves, what am I doing? What am I living now that's childish? And put that behind me and start learning how to act and think like an adult. Okay, so today we're going to focus on guess who? The men. Yes, yes, yes. The men. You know, last week we had our men's retreat. It was awesome. We got to go out there and eat crazy food and be in the wild and scream and yell and run. And some of us got hurt. And we got winded. But it was a lot of fun, wasn't it? Feel like a man? Well, today we're going to bring manhood into a whole nother level. And I don't want to say this with a preface. There's a, there's a disclaimer here. The purpose of what we're going to talk about now is not to bring men down. It's actually to inspire us. It's to inspire us to a higher thinking, a higher level of living. Now, this may mm, may, may, may hit you hard, what we're going to talk about today. But let me tell you, man to man, this helped my life, my marriage, my family, my outlook, my treatment of women Immensely. And still does to this day. So you ready? You ready to man up? All right. Well, let's go. Let's begin. This is for the men. So, ladies, you can take a break. Okay? If you need to do some text messaging or, you know, you need to go check on something, you can take a break. All right? But I think you might be interested in listening to what I have to say to the men. Isn't that interesting? You say, take a break. And then they're like listening. Hearing everything. Right? So, women... but. Don't, don't completely leave because we're going to have some things to say to the women in a little bit. Today, I want to inspire the men to do the things that you've always wanted to do. You know, when I was a young man, there was a way I wanted to be that I found myself not being. I was ashamed of who I was. I was ashamed of the way I treated women. There was a pain in my heart and my conscience about the way I thought about them, the way I treated them. And I wanted to be different. And God gave me the opportunity. Some other people gave me the opportunity to change, to be the man I wanted to be. And we're going to look at the biblical view of women. The biblical view of women. And some of you have a misconceived idea. When you hear Bible women, you think, less. You know that women are less. They must submit. They are less valued. And they're going to walk around and be quiet and submissive to their husbands. Right? Total misconception. Misconception. Okay, And you're going to be inspired later, women. So go back to your texting and we'll get, we'll get on the lesson. But this isn't just, not just the women that you are going to date, but also including the women that you're going to date. This is how you're going to look at all women. And this is how we need to change the way we think about things. And here is how we are taught in our society today, men, and you're going to relate to what I'm saying. This is how we are taught in our society Women are viewed, presented, talked about, and sung about as a commodity. As a commodity. Songs talk about women as a commodity. Commercials, TV ads, movies, all the media that's out there is getting men to think of women as a commodity. And a commodity is something that I'm going to put a value on. I'm going to use it however I want. I'm going to trade it in later when I get tired of it for something newer and better. And that's how the world treats or teaches men to think about women. And society says to men day in and day out, take me, use me, do whatever you want with me. And then trade me in for another one. Day after day, TV ads, the web, commercials, media, songs. It's just constantly being fed into men's thinking. Go home this afternoon. Watch some football and you're going to see it. How men are taught to think about women this way. Take me, use me, do whatever you want with me, then trade me in for another one. But today I want to call all of us to have a mind change as men. This is what society is telling you to think about women. God's got another message. And what we're going to talk about today flies right in the face of our society. I mean, it's totally counterculture what we're going to talk about today. And some of you may think, well, this is old-fashioned. It's dated. You have no idea what is really old-fashioned and what's outdated. The reality of how women were viewed in the first century is shocking. And what we're going to read today was spoken in the, 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 the culture of women were treated completely and totally as a commodity. They still are in the, the Middle Eastern part of the world. Women are not treated with the equal respect And the idea that women, uh, you've come a long way, baby, you have no idea. That old commercial, you have no idea how far you've come as women. Of how it used to be at this time when we're reading the scriptures, what women were treated like. Prostitution was legal and encouraged. In fact, slavery was legal. Women had very little status, if any at all. And they had virtually no rights. Unless you were of a family of a prominent, wealthy father or individual, then you had maybe some second-class rights. But women were beaten, women were killed, and they would not hold men accountable because they were considered a commodity, like an animal. That's how it was. And in that culture, Jesus spoke And when Jesus spoke, it was revolutionary. It was so contrast to what people were thinking, it was shocking what Jesus said. It was a radical message of love and value. Let me give you some examples. In this culture, in this time where women were so discriminated, so mistreated, Jesus said, this verse, in John chapter 13, verse 34, some of you know it by heart. A new command I give to you love one another. As I have loved you, so I want you to love one another. And by this, the world will know you are my disciples. Someone raises their hand in the back and says, Excuse me, Jesus. Does that include women? Yes, that includes women. Another hand goes up. Does that include little girls? You see, in the Roman world, little girls were discarded. They were not wanted. Similar to what's happening in China today. They were discarded. So many little baby girls were thrown into the river in the Roman world. That's how it was. This was the culture. This was the time. This is what the message was of the culture in Jesus' time. And Jesus says, no more. I want you to love each other. And that includes women. And this is how. And so what happened in the first century is women would flock to the church. Women would come to the church because this was a revolutionary message. This is where they felt felt loved. They felt valued. They felt appreciated in this culture because of Jesus' teaching. Some other great examples in John 4 Jesus spoke to a Samaritan woman. He met a woman at the well and He spoke to her. When when Jesus' disciples saw Him doing that, they were shocked. What are you doing talking to a woman? And He was even offered to share a glass with her of water. And they were amazed. They were shocked. What are you doing talking to this dirty woman? You don't talk to women. Women stand five feet behind you. And it was shocking. And then later in John 8, John chapter 8, Jesus defended not just a woman. He defended an adulterous woman. And he called out the crowd and he said, if any of you have no sin, then you be the first one to cast a stone. And little by little, everybody walked away until it was just Jesus and the adulterous woman. And Jesus looked at her and said, Does anyone condemn you, woman? He said, No one, sir. Then neither do I. Go away and leave your life of sin. This was amazing. This, this was so radical at that time. And for that reason, so many women would come to church to hear the message that God loves you equally and the same. And in fact, the hardest thing that men had to do to become Christians was love and appreciate and respect and honor women. This is what the Bible really teaches about women. Not what, you know, religion out there, Christian, Christianity out there has taught about women. This is what the really... The Scriptures teach about women. Paul said this in Ephesians 5.25, Just as Christ loved the church, so you must love your wife. That you're willing to die for her. As Jesus gave His life for the church, you must... And a guy in the back raised his hand. Paul, I'm not sure you know my wife. Have you ever met my wife? You're saying die for her? Yes. You must die for her. This is how God wants you to have relationships. That it's a sacrificial love. This was so radical. And then we're going to read here, passed on from Jesus to Paul and his other disciple, Apostle Peter. and Look what he says. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, he says, Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives. Treat them with what? Respect. The real word here, the real word and the real translation, literal Greek translation of that word respect is grant or assign them honor. How do you treat somebody with honor? How do you do that? I'll tell you how you do it. It's an honor to meet you. It's a privilege. That was so radical to talk to women, treat women with respect and honor. To assign women honor. And this is what Peter was saying in this culture, in this situation. And then he goes on and later on the verse 7 he says, As the weaker partner... You see, in this culture, might makes right. Whoever is the strongest in this time in the first century, whoever was the strongest, richest, most powerful, they were right. Might makes right. If someone huge came into the room and said, I'm right. And you say, yeah, you are, you're right. (laughs) That'd be the end of the discussion. And the point Peter's making here, even though you can beat in most cases, even though you can beat your wife in arm wrestling, because I realize there's some exceptions. (laughs) Even though you can beat your wife in arm wrestling, I want you to treat her as equal. In fact, as men, use your power to defend the weak. Leverage your power to strengthen and give honor and respect to the weak. And men, this is what he was saying. For those who lack it, you defend them. You be there for them, just like God does. And do it for your wife and for your family. And then it continues in verse seven. This this is so this was so radical. Some of us here, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. But this is so radical at this time in this culture, in this setting. And as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life. What's what's Peter saying here? You're equal heir. Do you realize in the first century women could not be the recipients of an An heir or receive the inheritance? They couldn't receive it. They would pass it on to the older slave, the head slave, before they would pass it to the woman. They'd pass it on to a first cousin or some other family, an uncle, a a nephew, before they would pass it to the woman. Women had no rights. This statement was radical. She's a co-heir with you. She's the same. Jesus died for both of you. The same. I mean, this was really, really intense. We are equal heirs of God's promise. Jesus died for both of us. That's what the Bible teaches about women. And then he goes on to say at the very end of verse 7, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. In other words, if you don't treat your wife right, God's not going to hear your prayers. In fact, God is going to exact judgment on you if you mistreat your wife. See, because they would not bring men under judgment if they mistreated their wives. It was His right to do that to His property, to His commodity. Not anymore. Peter's saying here, God's going to judge you for how you mistreat your wife. So if you don't fear The law and the society fear God as he's cleaning off his lightning bolt. And see, some of us don't have a proper fear of God. So as men, I want to encourage you to renew your mind to think differently about women. I want you to make up your mind to behave differently. And we're going to get very specific today specifics. All right, let's get specific, men, women, you're still on break. okay? men, we're going to talk about this entertainment. If you have any music that refers to a woman as bitches or whores, it needs to be erased from your playlist. It needs to be removed from your music collection. This is a huge deal. Our society pushes it on young people. And young people think, well, well you know, you, I, don't, I don't think you understand, Mr. Minister. I don't think you realize. This is how I roll. This is my culture. I won't have any music left if I erase all that. See, some of us that are older here, we don't realize what's out there. The media that's out there. This media is training your mind how to think about women. And it needs to be erased. And I would encourage you, if you consider yourself a Christian man, today you need to get rid of that music. Because remember the lightning bolt. As God prepares it, it's a serious deal. And I want to bring you into reality. Why is this such a big deal? Every country that there has ever been a genocide or slavery began with the idea or the, the mentality of dehumanizing individuals. Let me give you an example. In Rwanda, the Hutus looked on the tutus as cockroaches. They would walk around saying, those tutus are cockroaches. And therefore, when we dehumanize them, then we belittle them, we can exterminate them. 800,000 tutus have been murdered in the last few decades. And it all started with the belittling. Words like bitches, words like whores. It recategorizes people so that you can treat them less. And none of that needs to go on in our culture. And you'll even find it in our, in, our, in, our, in, our, in our vocabulary. It's come out in some young people as they refer to other women with those words. The Nazis referred to Jewish people, Jewish women as whores. And they referred to Jewish men as rats. So if I degrade them, I can exterminate them into the millions That's how they did it. That's what it leads to. Even in the United States, American Indians, in the time of slavery, even in the post or the the, the pre-civil rights movement, words were used to categorize people, to make them subhuman, to make them less. And it would allow people to justify a, a behavior of discrimination, of hatred. And that could even lead to extermination. So you think it's a little deal to use those words referring to people? And if there's any country in the world that should be intolerant of these kinds of words, it needs to be the USA. Because our foundation is built on equal rights, treating people equally, treating people with respect. And then we'll allow a subculture in our society to, to refer to women as bitches and whores. It's deplorable. And it needs to be gone if you're going to consider yourself a Christian man. Even a good man. Even if you're going to categorize yourself as a gentleman. You cannot justify that kind of reference. Number two, for the men. Erotic imagery. We have no idea. And a lot of people think, well... Pastor, minister, it's not a sin to look at pornography. It's not a sin. I'm just looking. I'm not hurting anybody. I'm not affecting anyone. And what we don't understand is we think it's just a pastime. And if you're a single man, you think, well, I'm just single. It's not, I'm not hurting anything. I can change this later. And we have no idea of the destruction and every time you watch these images, you're going to school. Guess what they teach in this school? This is what they teach in this school. Number one, a real body isn't good enough. Because in those pornographic images, those aren't real people. They're doctored up photos. They're not real. So what you're learning in this school is a real body isn't good enough. Number two, one body. Isn't good enough. And then number three, when you get to that point, when you get married, your wife isn't good enough. And some of the married men are in the audience are going, hmm, maybe that explains it. You see, there are men in this room who are confused about their sexuality because they have so destroyed their minds. And they've been in this school. And some of the married women in this room are saying, Yeah, now I understand. It's a serious deal. That as men, we need to eliminate all the websites, all the ways we get into this media. It's an epidemic right now. And we need to check out of this school. You need to leave that school. Because this school is destroying your mind. And see, I've been saying this for many, many years as a minister. I've been a minister for 22 years and I've always based it on what Jesus talked about in, in, in Matthew chapter 5. If you look at a woman lustfully, you've already committed adulter- adultery with her in your heart. This is something I've been preaching about a lot for a long time. But our culture and our society says, no, you can window shop. It's okay to look. You're not hurting anyone. Let me clue you in on a little secret. In World War II, the American government, the United States government, gave American GIs all the cigarettes that they wanted during that time until they realized cigarettes can kill people. They stopped. They figured it out. This is a bad thing. This is destructive. This is hurting people. And new research is showing now from non-faith based, non-religious. You think, well, you're just old fashioned and you're doing the, the preacher thing and you're 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 saying all this stuff. No, I'm talking about worldly research of of scientists, of neurologists who do studies of the brain. If you look at enough images, erotic imagery if you look at enough it changes your chemical makeup of your brain and especially in young boys it has a critical effect and it leads to an addiction you see it doesn't stop it goes further and further you can't just look and walk away. It calls you back, and you need more, and you need more. And right now, pornography is ruining marriages. How does it make a woman feel when her husband has to go somewhere else to a TV screen or a computer screen to find satisfaction or pleasure? And it it ruins the marriage. And this is is happening right in our midst. And and the truth is, real women can't compete with these images. Because they're not real. And men, we need to get honest about this. You need to get this stuff out of your life. Number one, you need to be open and say, you know what? I've got a problem with this and I want to deal with it. And you know, we've got groups here in the church where men come together and they help each other. They hold each other accountable. To, to inspire each other. Not to beat each other down with guilt and, oh, I'm ashamed and, 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 and you know, hurt, you know, hurt our, 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 our self-esteem. No, that's not the point. The point of these groups is to build each other up. That you can be better. And you can get over this. You're better than this. You're not a dog. You're a man. You can control yourself. And you, can, you can rise above it. And, and I'm speaking as someone who was in the world, thought like this, walked like this in my previous life. And I'm so grateful that God has called me out of that muck and mire to live at a different level. And what these researches showed is that when you watch erotic imagery, it lowers your desire for real women. It it creates this weird deadening of a man and how he's made. And the worst thing of it all, it makes you look at women as a commodity. They're no longer people. They're a commodity. They're objects. And it's a very, very sad state of affairs for women. And I'm sure that the women in the room are feeling very uncomfortable with this right now. But we got to talk about it, right? If this is going to hurt our relationships, let's get it out there. Let's deal with it. Let's talk with it so we can have better relationships. Now, I'm going to share with you a scripture that helped me as a young man. 21 years old, this was when my whole mind change happened. Living on campus 24 7 in the middle of Florida in the middle of the summer. And you think dressing is bad now, it was bad then too. The way women dressed. And I literally had a dorm room that was several feet away from the woman's side of the dorm. So I'd walk out of my dorm trying to be a Christian man and and, and think right and do right. And literally women would come out with just nothing on but a towel. I man, this is hard to change the way I think about women. But I got mentors in my life. And this is one of the verses that my mentor shared with me. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. To so treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as what? Sisters. Now, I have two sisters. And this really helped me to change the way I think. Would I look at one of my sisters the same way that I look at women on campus? Would I peruse their body of my sisters like I do with the women. I said, no, man, I, I would never do that. I love my sisters. In fact, I would be offended if somebody else looked at my sister in, a, in, a, in an inappropriate way. And see, this helped me. I remember my first date that I went out as a Christian man. You know, I prayed so much. God, help me to honor her. Help me to treat her with respect. Help me to do this differently because I was thinking bad in the past and it was so, so agenda-oriented in, 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 in those other relationships before I was a Christian man. And I remember coming home after the date and just ri- raising my arms and saying, Yes! I did it! I treated her as a woman of honor and I respected her. Here and here. And I felt so good about myself as a man that I'm not a slave anymore. I'm not carrying around a ball and chain anymore. I can rise above this through prayer and training. And this helped me. And the last words there, treat your younger women as sisters with what? Absolute purity. How do we look at each other? Are we looking with pure eyes? Or are we smiling on the outside and saying, I wish I saw you with your clothes off? I mean, let's get real here. This mentality is destroying relationships. See, because one woman is not enough, you're always looking. You're always searching for something better to satisfy you. And they're not women anymore. They're commodities. And this is very destructive. Just to straighten it out, again, Galatians, Paul said this, chapter 3, verse 26. So in Christ Jesus, you who are all children of God through faith, for all of you who were baptized into Christ Jesus have clothed yourselves with Christ. This is what happens when you're baptized. You are transformed into a new person. And here's what it is. In this new life that you have, as a man, as a woman... There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Meaning, we're all equal. We all are respected and at the same level. Now I want you to think about how you view women. Are you respecting her when you look at her that way? No, you're not. You're treating her as an object, as a commodity, instead of as Jesus intended it to be. She's your sister. She's a a woman of God. She's God's daughter. Would you treat God's daughter like that? Well, she's not a Christian. That makes it better, right? No, she's still God's daughter. She, he, she hasn't been saved yet, but she's still one of God's daughters. Don't look at her that way. You wouldn't do that. I'm sure you wouldn't do that in front of some of the dads in our society today because they'd have their shotgun ready. Do it again. Old school. You wouldn't do that. But we've got to retrain our ways of thinking. Okay, women, you hear? You hear? You with me? Now it's your turn, men. You can relax a little bit. Wow, that was rough. All right, women. Women, do not dress like you're a commodity. This is huge because the world is also telling you and emphasizing to you that. You are how you appear. And the more you can dress up, the more you can reveal, the more you can show, the more attention you're going to get, the more sexy you're going to be. And you want that kind of attention, is what the world says. I have news for you. You do not want that kind of attention. You don't want men looking at you that way. What kind of man is going to be after you that looks at you that way? But this is what the world emphasizes. Well, you're going to take all the style and, the, and, and all the thing out of how we dress. Now, there, there's somewhere in between. I'm not talking about... Let's read this verse that will help clarify it. We've got to open our Bibles now. First Peter chapter 3, in verse 3 through 5. Are you still with me, ladies? This is very important. Help us... Help us, guys. And help other guys out there. And help yourself. 1 Peter, chapter 3. You say, man, this is, this is a very straightforward church. <laughs> wow. I don't think I've ever heard a sermon like this before. Yeah. I don't think I've ever given one like this before. <laughs> But let me tell you, it is such a need in our society. In the world, in the television, they got no problem talking about this. We shouldn't have a problem talking about it in church and correcting it so we can have a higher le- level of living. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 3. Look what, what Peter said to the women, wives, he's talking to them. He says, your beauty should not come from outward adornment such as braided hair, and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should come from your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For in this way, the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to make themselves beautiful. Now, some churches will take this to the extreme and say you can't wear makeup and you have to wear a skirt all the way down to your ankles. And you have to you have to, and this was this is serious because there were Christian churches that I saw that they had to wear, women had to wear uh, sleeves all the way down to the wrists and had a high collar. That's not what this is talking about. This is talking about emphasis. Emphasis. How much time do you spend getting yourself ready on the outside versus getting yourself ready on On the inside. I know some of you women, you, you spend how long? You spend... That's a long time. And that's okay. If you need a long time, then take a long time. But I'm asking you, how long do you spend preparing the inside versus the outside? that determines the kind of attention that you want if you're focused on the inside then you're going to be looking for the guy who's focused on your inside instead of only focusing on the outside you will attract the guy that's only looking at your surface what am i talking about don't let society dis or or misguide you about your value women how much you show and how much you reveal doesn't put a value on you. And some of you dress a little inappropriate. I just got to be honest. You're sending a message to guys out there. This is what my value is. I know I'm making some of you feel uncomfortable, but we got to talk about it. You're following a worldly way of thinking and trying to kind of mesh it over with what God is saying. That's not who you are. You are a child of God. You're beautiful, for who you are on the inside. For your heart, for your mind. And you don't have to in, 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 you don't have to exaggerate your sexuality that way. You're drawing the wrong attention to your body. And just as I told the men to get rid of some of those playlists, I want to encourage you to go through your wardrobe. If you need help with that, ask an older woman. Ask a woman who you respect. Ask Ayumi. She's a campus minister's wife. She knows. Ask Stacey Peterson. She knows. She's been down this road. She, she walked that walk. Cheerleader in high school. You know, she knows. She went through the transformation. My wife did too. When women walk in the world, they emphasize what the world emphasizes, wants them to emphasize, and they become a commodity. They think that I am a commodity, so I'm going to dress like a commodity. And this is what worldly women do. It's wrong. It ruins a relationship. Because that's not who you are in God's sight. God values you. And then to close out, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Let's bring it home. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 11. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. And when I became a man or an adult, as I said, the ways of childhood, I put the ways of childhood behind me. I want to encourage all of us today, men, women, married women, single men, single, married, all of us. All of us. All of us. To start being adults. You know, when I was preparing this lesson this week, I worked on this and it helped me so much to look at women differently. See, because even though I changed, that old person who I used to be still comes around and still wants some airtime. Still wants to try to take over, and I got to keep him back. I say, no, you're dead. You're gone. You no longer live. But when I would look at women and put this into practice, not as a commodity, but as a person, it changed my outlook. You know, that second look, that second, you know, you want to catch a second peak, is gone. Because I would tell myself, she's God's daughter. She's a woman. She may not know Him yet, but I'm going to respect what's God's. And I'm going to honor her. And I'm not going to treat her as a commodity, as an object of external value. the last points here is treat women with honor here in this room and not just the woman that you date all women women that you work with women that are your neighbors women that you know you're related to all women treat them as god and then in this way you will know that you are jesus's disciples that's what he meant treat people right and you'll be known as a disciple treat yourself with respect and, and particularly men and women Don't allow this garbage to go on in your mind. Respect yourself. And women, respect yourself and how you conduct and and how you dress, who you are. You are somebody beautiful in God's eyes. And number three, if you need help, get a mentor. I needed three mentors at one time when I was a young college student. I had three guys that were tooling on me to help me change the way I thought and the way I behaved. And it helped me so much to become a gentleman. See, this is the gentleman's club. This should be the gentleman's club where we treat women right and we treat women with respect and women treat themselves with respect. It's a lost art. I remember growing up in the South as a young man and Words like, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, no, sir. Opening doors for women. And I'll leave you with this. Guys, if there's a woman out there, singer, actress, president's wife, governor's somebody of honor, somebody that you know, you go, wow, if I ever got a chance to spend a couple minutes with her, it'd be like, wow. How would you treat her? I guarantee you'd treat her with a lot of honor. You'd be like, oh, wow, it's so good to meet you, and hey, can I have your autograph? Same way that you treat that special person, treat all women like that. Open doors for them. Honor them. Esteem them. Build them up. And ladies, do the same for the men. And number four, get rid of all that bad stuff. Wardrobe, music, movies, internet sites, get help, talk to somebody. Monday night, downstairs, there's a group of guys that gets together to help each other with this. It's time for maybe you to come and say, you know what, I want to get some help. And it's an awesome environment where they encourage each other. They're going to start a new series on, on on a book, Every Man's Battle. And trust me, it's Every Man's Battle. To think differently. And God knows it. And Jesus knew that we needed this so bad. That's why He was willing to die for us. To make us new again. To erase all that bad history. And make us new men and women. And that's the amazing thing about what Jesus does with people. is No matter what they did in the past, He makes them new. And gives them a new chance. So let's pray for the communion. God and Father, we thank you so much for this teaching that we received today. Help us to have soft hearts and make the changes we need to make, God, so that we can be a light to this world.